0: yo yo guys this is red city gym talk coach mike and uh this is episode number 19 and our guest today is our amazing member michael Sells. michael is um the dietitian so nutritionist he's a speaker on this subject he's an author and he's a cook himself and um today he was kind enough to answer all my stupid and not so stupid questions and we got into sports nutrition uh what exactly nutrition nutritionist does at the hospital uh the good and bad vegan choices of proteins and the myths about nutrition and uh, food he also talked about a a bit about his experience as an athlete and a crossfitter what got him motivated to start and a lot more guys I enjoyed a lot I felt a little bit dumb at places and I'm very happy that uh, I've learned a thing or two more and just improve my general knowledge so i hope you find this interesting and useful without any adios check it out oh guys and by the way check out his website michaelsells.be uh, read a bit about his book he's got a blog with really nice tips on nutrition and uh, food and just motivations and uh, check it out guys okay without any further ado let's get going Yo, yo, Michael, what's up? How are you doing?
1: Very good, thank you. Thank you for having me today.
0: Very happy you agreed, because um, I think what you can bring is a lot of value and a lot of interesting information for our members, but also for anybody listening. So, um, yeah. How's life in general?
1: Very good. Um, I think everyone had a rough summer, so I have the feeling now everything is getting more at ease now so um, yes uh, i'm looking forward for the next few months to to catching up with some friends and uh, to have some more spare time oh
0: understandable was it a busy three month for you? you you were working you weren't in a lockdown or anything you were really working throughout the whole period right
1: Yes, uh, I work in the hospital uh, in Antwerp. So yes, it was quite busy during the Corona crisis, uh, definitely in the beginning. Now from um, June, it uh, decreases a bit. And now in August, yes, there were not a lot of Corona patients anymore, but we had to pick up a lot of things. We, uh, we canceled in the first months of the crisis. So yes, it was uh, some busy months in hospital. Crazy.
0: Well, you, I would like to say good job because you stayed training consistently even throughout this difficult time. So I really would like to congratulate you because I know a lot of people would use this as an like, I don't want to say as excuse, but you know what basically shifted off to to the back of their priorities and you didn't. So yeah, I would say shout out to that. Yeah. I can I ask you something? You said you continued working throughout this period. Did you work as um, as nutritionist or you had to kind of take new tasks upon you?
1: Um, Yeah, I'm doing the uh, planning for the entire team of nutritionists in the hospital. So we had to schedule a lot of different things. Uh, But also, yes, uh, working in patient care because we had a lot of patients on uh, intensive care who needed uh, tube feeding during uh, the period they were ventilated. Um, So then we calculate which type of nutrition they need when they uh, wake up after a coma, they still have some muscle mass left. Uh, So that's our goal during that period. And we had a lot of patients on intensive care, so uh, it took a lot of work.
0: I understand. Um, Can you please tell me, because I've never, you know, in a movie they show you like just a tube going to the stomach, but how does it actually work, like forced feeding sort of thing, like happening During the coma, how does it really happen?
1: Um, So um, we place a small tube uh, via the nose into the stomach.
0: Oh, through the uh, nose. So it's not through the throat, it's really through the nose.
1: Yes, through the nose. um, And then we place it into the stomach in the beginning. And then we we make a, a formula so you can compare it like a formula you use to feed babies and it's the same company that makes it. And then we um, we add an amount of proteins, carbohydrates, vitamins, minerals, and then we use a pump to, um, to admit the nutrition. For most of the times during a coma, we give it 24 hours because uh, patients are sedated. So stomach is working really slowly. Uh, the entire gut is working really slowly, so we feed them twenty four hours a day, like uh, sixty five mils an hour we uh, admit fire the tube into the stomach and we follow some um, some values in the blood to see if we admit enough. We follow some some numbers in the urine to see how uh, if we need to add something to the formula or we need to decrease something unbelievable
0: unbelievable i'm to be honest a little bit digressing i am so thankful that i live in a time where things like this like this are possible because like people compare what we're going through now with what happened like 100 years ago with the spanish flu but i mean um yeah uh like back then there was no such even like idea of things going like this happening like this so to be able to help to to help somebody survive by feeding them through the tube through the nose by calculating macros making sure they get every it's, it's unbelievable it's like a whole science i personally yeah. love it.
1: we are not curing the patient with uh, with the nutrition with clinical nutrition but we will keep him as fit as possible during the therapy so when he wakes up after his stay on intensive care he can recover quickly and he can hopefully use his uh, leftover muscle mass uh, on a short time because you know, a lot of patients lose a lot of muscle mass a lot of weight uh, during their stay on intensive care so that's our main goal uh, during a coma
0: i understand and uh you know i've heard a lot of there's so much misinformation with what happened but um one of the things that I heard is, people during Corona, not only even not even during the coma, but also just during the heavy, intensive period of sickness, lose so much muscle mass, like because that's what this virus targets. Like it, it breaks down the t- muscle tissue. Is it true?
1: Uh, it's in general, yes. When uh, in general, if we look at the people staying on intensive care, they all lose a lot of muscle mass and a lot of weight because. They are in a catabolic state where your body needs a lot of uh, uh, nutrition and not everything we admit to the patient, uh, not every calorie, carbohydrate, protein is used to feed the the body tissue. So um, it's not easy to feed them well. So there is is a lot of uh, science going on to check how we can do it. So the first day... To, to uh, say something new, the first days on intensive care, we don't hit uh, the calorie need, but we all, uh, already try to target the protein needs the first days on intensive care, and after a few days, we also uh, try to cover the need of calories because there are some studies who showed if you give too many calories in the acute state. Um, then it can be harmful for our patients because uh, the body needs to focus on healing. And if you overfeed a patient, it can be uh, worse than not feeding a patient enough calories the first day. But for protein, it's different. We give patients a lot of protein on intensive care because... Yeah, we want to preserve uh, all the muscle mass and even then they lose a lot of muscle mass during their stay on intensive care
0: i understand and also i heard that even though muscles being broken down the fat even if somebody's overweight the fat is not used during the corona so that's like the like the really negative thing that like even when you're sick you even don't like lose good weight you lose bad weight and bad weight i mean like the muscles
1: yeah we see it on different populations as well like in a cancer population it's the same the, i see a lot of cancer patients as well in hospital and sometimes they tell me like "Oh, the the only good thing about uh, my cancer diagnosis is the fact i lost a lot of weight because i was overweight uh, my entire life But the weight they lose um, due to the cancer—it's a lot of uh, times—it's—it's body cell mass, it's muscle mass. So, it's uh, even then, it's difficult to lose fat mass. Goddamn fat! Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Michael, are you like a little bit about you? Are you from Antwerp? Were you born in Antwerp? um uh, in a little town next to it uh in lear so uh, um i lived my entire life in in that area and i moved to antwerp due to my work uh, in the hospital here and do you like it uh do you like antwerp more than lear or are you like
0: of okay i have to i have to survive through this but like a smaller town is more fun
1: no i like the buzz of a bigger city uh when you go out there is always something going on uh it's it's easy to to uh to have a good time in a city in a small town it's difficult to uh you have to plan more to see people to to have a fun time so i like uh my time in antwerp
0: but also a lot more temptations and also nutritional temptations
1: yeah that's true but also yeah you can explore a bit huh? I think uh, you have some very nice restaurants with some uh, some local food from from different countries. Uh it's difficult to find it in uh, in a small town. You find the the Italian restaurant and the Chinese restaurant, but uh if you want to eat something Ethiopian for example, yeah, you can find it in Antwerp, but it's difficult to find it somewhere else.
0: Okay. And what is your favorite restaurant in Antwerp?
1: Oh, it's difficult to say. Um, I like the, the new one uh, nearby. Uh, it's not really fa- uh, nearby CrossFit, the, the uh, camión. It's fun to go there. They uh, are very creative with a lot of vegetables. Um, they serve it on a different way. I like it very much. And it's, it's a good restaurant to do it uh, on a weekday. I think it's not like fine dining. But now the new in the Handelsbeurs. That's really fine dining. Um, and that's near like, the station? Uh, oh. No, at the end of the Meer. At the end of we the Handels Handelsbeurs, and there is uh, Fira. It's called. It's a new restaurant, but it's really fine dining. But the scenery is really nice. So, if you want to spend uh, a bit of bit more money to do some fine dining, I can recommend Fira
0: what what if you had to choose street food or really fine dining
1: Mm.
0: but a fantastic street food i'm not talking about some cheap cheap burger i'm speaking of good there are sometimes really quality street food available
1: oh i like the um i like being for a while uh in a restaurant and 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 at a table i like to dine for a few hours i think it's uh yeah, you can have different conversations with people. Uh, you connect. You connect on a different level. So I really like uh, uh, going for fine dining, but uh, yeah, not to do it twice a week. Eh? But some really quality street food can be indeed very good. Eh? You have a good uh, fish street food at uh, Cathedral. I don't remember the name, but it's in. I think Fishagogo. and it's like really. Uh, fish fish la plancha on different uh, different types of seafood um but yeah 20 minutes after you ordered you are out and you need to do something different eh? so i like yeah. being in a restaurant for a while as well
0: okay very nice so you're a social human yeah <laughs> and uh michael how did you get into nutrition i'm sh- i'm sure you weren't like born instantly and like your first word was nutrition no. so how did you,
1: how did you get into this uh, my grandparents, they owned for a lot of years a small restaurant uh, in the camp. So, uh, as a kid, I spent a lot of time uh, in the restaurant, uh, uh, working a bit in the kitchen or uh, just, just being there. My parents worked there in the weekend as well. So, um, yeah, I, I always had the idea to work in a restaurant as well. And then I went to... Uh, culinary school in Bruges, Ter Groene um, during high school and I studied there to become a chef and when I was 18 I decided uh, I worked in a few places and then I decided yes uh, I was very interesting, what, interested in what nutrition can do for your body and then I switched um, my idea and I when to study to become a nutritionist.
0: All right. Well, very good. Well, first of all, it's really cool that you first studied how to cook food and uh, not how to only, ju- I guess, judge it. Um, because I also checked your website and let me, one second, let me say it. It's dot uh, and it says, deatist, speaker, author, and chef. And I wanted to ask you, like, are you chef by by um, by hobby or by profession? It's really cool to know that you're actually chef by profession
1: yeah i think it's a fun combination because um yeah if you are are only focused on um on on, uh, like this type of uh, vitamin you need or you need this amount of protein but you need to make it uh, tasty as well and fun to do because nutrition is more than only uh, different values uh, in hospital it's uh, it's only about the numbers but i think outside of hospital it's more about yeah uh eating well and eating a tasty dish and enjoying uh, a good dish together with friends and also uh, making healthy choices and to combine that too uh, i like it a lot
0: very cool and i also think it's impressive that you became like a head dietitian of uh... Like university hospital from Antwerp, it's not something. I'm, I'm pretty sure you had to work hard to get there. I don't think this is a position that being handed out just out of a, like like a gift. So, um.
1: thank you. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, fun to work in hospital. Yeah, it's uh, we have a big team. It's a team of uh, twenty three uh, dietitians, uh, all specialized in a different area of uh, of nutritional care. Some colleagues are specialized in diabetes care or for oncology or for uh, intensive care or uh, children. Uh, so yeah, everyone has the opportunity to specialize in a different area um, and to, uh, to work together with, with this team. It's really fun to do, yeah.
0: And what is the biggest challenge of what, because what what I'll I'll try to elaborate. So, because everybody's doing different direction and does different, I guess, different studies, you, you kind of, everybody has a little bit of their own theory on things. Like how do you come to conclusions together? Because uh, my biggest problem with nutrition at the moment is there is too much information and there's too much information creates too much misinformation. And a lot of people just go crazy because like in, if you would think logically, like you wouldn't even need to go to the because all the information is online, and still, yeah. you guys are really important and you you have a lot of work. So, um, how 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 do you like decide which information is the correct one?
1: Nutritional science is a quite young uh, discipline in science, um, and that's why uh, it was. In the beginning of, uh, of nutritional science, they did it like they investigated the effect of uh, new uh, drugs. And they they took a group of people and they admitted a specific drug. And another group, they give a placebo. And then they see if there is there a difference uh, in the effect on the different groups. And they did the same with nutrition. so... For example, like omega-3, um, they took 50 people and they had to uh, take some omega-3 and a different group uh, took something else and they saw, okay, it's a benef- it's beneficial to take the omega-3 for uh, heart disease. But then uh, afterwards, they saw, yeah, we don't eat omega-3. You know, we eat like um, fatty fish. And fatty fish, you find omega-3 omega-3 in fatty fish so they redid uh, the studies with uh, fish and then they saw yes the proof of the beneficial proof was lower because uh, yeah not every fish is the same not everyone is eating the same amount of fish every day or every week so it was um, more difficult to prove um, the beneficial effect but then afterwards, yeah, even then, we don't eat only uh, fatty fish. Eh? You you have a, like a Mediterranean lifestyle, for example. And in the Mediterranean lifestyle, you find a lot of oil, olive oil and fatty fish. So uh, that made it even more difficult to have a, um, a good opinion about what's proven to be beneficial and what's not proven. So... That's why there is a lot of um, different arguments. And I think some people uh, are too focused on um, just um, simple elements like only omega-3 or only vitamin C or only protein and not not, uh, taking into account the entire uh, eating habits. What do you choose for breakfast, for lunch, to eat in between? And I think um, if you watch the the studies publi- published the last five to ten years, they are more focused on uh, on the eating pattern. So I think it's uh, it's getting more clear for everyone. But yeah, there will be hypes um, every day, a different one. And now it's the intermittent fasting, and. Two to three years ago, everyone was uh, making granola eh, to eat in the morning. And now during the intermittent fasting, everyone is skipping breakfast again. So, yeah, then I can imagine it's difficult to see uh, what to do and to to believe, uh, to know what to believe.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And and, um, like in CrossFit in general, if you look, there is a pyramid of uh, fitness in CrossFit and the base of it is nutrition. Yeah. And, um, we try to guide our members as much as possible with nutrition, but, um, like I, I have some things which I know from experience work. Like for example, keeping, if you would like to lose weight, you should take less calories than you burn it's just basic things, but then it's still not so simple. Uh, so a little bit later, I would like to go with you over some myths in nutrition, maybe debunk or maybe say, okay, a myth is truth. Um, uh, but I would like to say how, how did you start with CrossFit with us? So this is for later I'm sorry I'm jumping through from one to another yeah. but I would like to first get to CrossFit so how do we how did you start? Why did you decide to start with us?
1: Yeah. It's a fun story I think. Um I went to Tomorrowland a few years ago and on Tomorrowland I uh, have you been to Tomorrowland?
0: Oh yeah, my favorite festival.
1: Ah okay. So there were a lot of well-trained people there. And I thought if I want to go to uh, Tomorrowland, Tomorrowland again next year, I need to train more. I need to do something to uh, <laughs> to increase my muscle mass. I want to uh, <laughs> I want to do uh, to be more active. And then uh, two days after Tomorrowland, I uh, I made my appointment at Red City.
0: All right, <laughs> cool, cool. Uh,
1: and um, so far. Are you happy with the results? Yes, but if I uh, if I'm uh, honest, I'm not. Uh, I'm more like a healthy lifestyle uh, sport guy than than uh, than a pro sporter or than a perform sporter. I think it's important to know which uh, type of uh, sporter you are. Eh? I I met a lot of other people at CrossFit, and I think it's. Uh, yeah, it's fun to see that everyone has his own goals and his own reason to, uh, to be active. Um, but for me in general, it's, it's uh, something to maintain a healthy lifestyle, not to become the next uh, um, fitness model. But it can be fun to, to have some, uh, some, something to show when you are on the beach, I think.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, I agree with you. Aesthetics are very important and what is your biggest challenge so far what has been your biggest challenge in training in crossfit
1: oh um my mobility is not uh, was was my biggest challenge in the beginning uh had to work a lot on it uh but you i can see it improve uh, over the months so um that's fun to see yeah, that you make progress in uh, in a certain area um yeah and like the weightlifting uh parts I didn't do it before I did CrossFit it was the first time for me to uh to really work with the barbell so um that was totally new for me uh, so it was challenging in the beginning yeah
0: very good well I can confirm that your mobility got in a lot better a lot a lot a lot I even complimented you during the workouts and also your movements are very nice. So I'm, I'm personally very happy with how you progress. Thank you. And, uh, what are you most proud of in your training?
1: Oh, um, I'm always proud uh, when I, if I did a lot of uh, visits at, Red, at CrossFit, so... Um, I'm always happy at the end of the week when I open the app and I see, okay, this week I've been there uh, three, four times, then I'm really proud uh, because I think you know, that's an important aspect of being active is being active on a, a frequent level and not only uh, being active uh, one day a week and going uh, all out, but being consistent and I think I'm being quite consistent in my training now, so yes, uh, I'm proud of that. Very good, very good. I agree
0: with you completely. Um, um, I, I, I've, I've been doing this for four years now, professionally. So, so I can compare, and indeed, people with most results are the ones who take their time, watch the technique, and just come consistently. Can cons- compare to the people who just go all in the day with their head in five times a week for one month. And then they disappear or they they descend because they pick up all this. Because it's very easy to start, you know, like you just need that motivation. You're like, I want to change and you start, but continue doing something is much, much more difficult. I think some similar with like university studies, you know, a lot of people start, especially in Antwerp. I know there were were no starting exams. And I remember when, when I started in university. There was such a large group, and second year the group was much smaller because continuing studying so much, so consistently is much more difficult than just starting with the dream. Yeah. So yeah.
1: yeah. that's true. Yeah.
0: And the same applies to nutrition, by the way. You know, it's very easy to start a diet or like watching your food, but it's very difficult to to make it a part of your life and make it like a lifestyle.
1: Yeah, and we need to eat our entire life. Uh, free every day more times a day so um yeah it's important to find something you can maintain uh, for a long time and that's the thing in nutrition indeed you see a lot of people shouting you need to uh, drink matcha tea every day and people buy a bucket of matcha and they drink it for two weeks (laughs) and then afterwards uh, people don't like it anymore and they change so yeah try to find something you can do consistently uh, in training and in nutrition uh, can be an important advice.
0: <laughs> so, what is the most common nutrition advice that you have like have to give?
1: Yeah, I think uh, put a realistic goal. Um, if it seems too good to be true, it probably is, and it's the same. It's with nutrition. Uh, it is like that. Huh? If something is promising you. Uh, Doubling your muscle mass or losing 50 kilograms uh, in two months, yeah, you need to be careful because there is probably something uh, fishy about it. Huh? Uh, yeah. And try to find something that is working for you for your daily schedule. If you are uh, very busy in the morning, do you have time to to um, to cook your own meals? Uh, um, yeah, try to find something easy. And I always, well, I don't know if you know the figures, but if we uh, look at uh, people in Belgium, only ten percent of uh, of people in Belgium are eating uh, enough, uh, the amount of vegetables they should eat. Eh? And for fruit, uh, it's uh, it's also less than ten percent of the people eating uh, the amount of fruit they should eat every day so I think it can be for a lot of people very beneficial to only uh, start with something easy as that uh, like eat uh, a piece of fruit every day seven days a week uh, for a lot of people that uh, that can be a good start of uh, of a healthier lifestyle or um, try to eat uh, in two meals a day uh, vegetables uh, because For a lot of people, they only eat vegetables in one meal a day. So try to do two meals a day where you can find some vegetables inside. Uh, uh, Because I think that advice is also you add something more. eh? Uh, A lot of dietary advice, it's about uh, leaving something, eating less sugar, less dairy, less meat, less fat. Uh, But yeah, you see in the last years... um, People in Belgium are not getting healthier. People in the world are not getting healthier uh, on nutrition. Um, so try to focus on things you can eat more of. Uh, eat more fruit, more vegetables. It's, uh, uh, it's fun to do because you are not restrictive for yourself and it's easy.
0: So why do you think situation is like this? Why? Because our parents and grandparents that's all they were eating, you know, because there was not so much processed food. But why? When did it change the, the dynamic? Why? Why is it such a difficult time, a difficult thing for people to eat more, to keep on eating fruits and vegetables on a regular
1: basis? I think a lot of marketing is uh, is involved. Uh, for example, um, if you um, compare a coffee, like a coffee ten years ago, it was. Uh, it was a small, uh, one hundred twenty mils of uh, of a dark uh, liquid with uh, with a coffee aroma. Now a coffee, it's half a liter, soya yeah, latte, frappuccino. Um, <laughs> yeah, and <those> are tasty. <laughs> yeah, indeed, uh, a lot of people like it. They are tasty, but you cannot compare it. Uh, it's not the same coffee anymore. So, um, if you uh, ten years ago people. Took one coffee in the morning, and now people who take uh, the train to Brussels take take a soya latte frappuccino in the in the central station. Yeah, then it's difficult to to not gain in weight. So, um, 400
0: calories or something for a coffee.
1: Yeah, and, and you have it in 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 a lot of things. I uh, like uh I, there now you have the tendency of uh, of being vegan or being uh, uh vegan for. A day in a week or something and i think it's uh, it's good to um to eat more uh, vegetables uh, or to to lower the amount of red meat you eat but if you see the nutritional values of some of the veggie burgers you find in a supermarket they are really terrible huh? in uh, some of them you cannot call it a veggie burger because there are no veggies inside it's only oh, like- really flour and uh, and a lot of uh, uh, salt and fat and it's not really a good a good substitute for meat so um yeah it's difficult to to uh to judge it when you are in a supermarket and there are 20 different uh, substitutes for meat yeah which one has a good uh, um, values of protein and which ones are uh, terrible if you watch uh the package you should read the label and try to uh try to watch some uh some parameters
0: well most people don't read the label most people just see uh it's vegan and they think okay i'm gonna i'm gonna kind of destroy my feeling of shame i'm doing my part for the for the world for the animals and that's enough i guess yeah.
1: and of, of course uh I- Being, uh, eating, having a veggie day in the week, uh, it's more than only uh, doing it for your health. eh? It's also for environment or or other reasons. Um, But um, what you can do, what I uh, suggest is when you are buying uh, a substitute for meat, read the label and try to find some some, uh, substitute with more than 10 grams of protein per 100 grams of product. eh? If you are watching the label of a veggie burger or a, or a quinoa burger or a different type of burger, uh, plant-based burger, it should have more than 10 grams of protein. And then you, it can be a good, uh, good substitute. But if it's lower than 10 grams of protein, yeah, then you cannot call it a, a meat substitute.
0: All right. Well, it's definitely good to know. I never bought them because I like meat, but um, maybe for some vegan people who are listening to this, they can notice. Yeah. Um, another thing I would like to ask. Remember, we had a conversation with you in, in the box in the gym and um, about the amount of proteins you should have per meal. And I suggest, I always suggested 30 just because that's what I've read the maximum that body can uh, absorb 30 grams of protein per meal. Uh, is it true?
1: Yeah, um, yeah, and about protein, it's yeah there are two things, and it's the amount of protein you eat uh, in one day in 24 hours, and uh, that's important, and also to bolus it a bit. Huh? Um, we saw in uh, in uh, scientific studies that when you when you bolus protein, so when you eat uh, a meal with 30 grams of protein, you it's uh, more beneficial than. Spreading the 30 grams of protein over different meals. In the clinical studies, we saw it with tube feeding. We, I, I told you we, uh, we tube feed patients for 24 hours. So we, we uh, divide it in a lot of different uh, for during a lot of time. And now we try to bolus it more because it's better for your recovery of muscle mass to bolus it. And so for. Healthy people, it's the same. So um, when you eat protein, it should be uh, around 30 grams in a bolus to have uh, the most beneficial effect from it. So if you eat something in between two meals um, high in protein, try to uh, try to eat one thing high in protein and the two other things you choose in between the meals can be low in protein, but don't divide it in, uh, in a lot of small portions. Would you also
0: suggest to have protein with every meal? Because some people, you know, like a lot of people, what they do, you told, you said about uh, gran granolas in the morning, and what a lot of people do is they eat something like like um, uh, oatmeal or something with a high with a high carb count, even good carbs as they're called. Yeah. But uh, many people, for example, skip uh, proteins in the morning. Is is it? Would you suggest for everybody to 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 keep it, or it's okay?
1: Oh, the um, the idea of bolusing protein—it's really beneficial to recover muscle mass. So uh, it's not only healthy lifestyle; it's it's important for people who are exercising. uh, more than than average um so then it's beneficial to not spread it in every meal but to bolus it in a few meals like you choose uh a breakfast that can be lower in protein, but during your lunch you you try to add uh a bit of a bit more protein so you will read the reach the target of thirty grams of protein in that meal then you will have the the best effect if you eat a breakfast with 15 grams of protein and your lunch with 50 grams of protein. The total amount in the day is the same, but the best effect you will get if you uh, do it in one uh, one meal, one serving. Yeah.
0: When you count proteins, do you count it from one source? For example, if you eat some chicken and, I don't know, buckwheat. In buckwheat, there's a little bit of protein, maybe like three, four grams. And then in the chicken, there's like 22 grams per 100 yeah. grams. Would you count it together or would you like really focus on the f- counting proteins from the high protein no.
1: you can count it together it's the total amount in one meal so you can cal- you can uh, add the proteins you find in uh, in a slice of bread as well even even it's uh, more carbs than uh, than protein but it's the total amount of proteins you find in one meal if you eat only plant-based proteins, you should add 20%. Um, because the, the quality of the protein is different um, in plant-based proteins than in, uh, than in animal-based proteins. So then you should add 20% to your uh, daily needs.
0: Very cool that you mentioned it. You know, I wanted to ask something. You know, there is this famous documentary on Netflix... I don't remember the name, but basically they're saying that uh, the um, the plant based proteins are even better than the, the animal proteins. What is your stance
1: on that? So, if you watch, a pro- if you uh, investigate some proteins, you see proteins are made of amino acids, and amino acids you need to to build muscle mass. Um, and some of the amino acids you your body cannot uh, make it um, without eating them. So they are essential uh, amino acids so you should eat them to um, to build them into your muscles Um, and in some uh, plant-based food you find uh, the essential amino acids but in other plant-based protein food you cannot find it so then you need to mix uh, different sources of protein to have them all in your um, in your meal so if you choose proteins from uh, animal products you always find all the uh, essential amino acids so it's possible to have a balanced plant based uh, eating habits with everything inside but you need to calculate more because you eat to you have to uh, have a higher intake of plant based proteins and you need to uh, supervise that there are all the essential amino acids inside and for example like soy it's a good um amount of essential amino acids you can find inside but if you choose like uh, uh, almond milk you cannot find every uh, essential amino acids in the proteins uh, in uh, almond or uh, almond milk or rice milk or buckwheat milk so uh, not every plant-based milk is uh, is the same.
0: I never understood, you know, the plant-based milk. I mean, I mean, like, first of all, nuts have no nipples, you know. So how do you milk it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, how, how is it made? The, like, I, I never understood it. You know, I thought it was just sweetened water with the taste of, for example, almonds. I never understood the um, the value behind it. They also dump lots of sugars in it, and they sell it as a healthy choice. But is it?
1: Some of them, they are um, high in sugar, but you can find, if you if you compare some different brands, you will find some without uh, sugar inside. So how they make it, it's just, you can do it on your own at home as well. Eh? You just take some, uh, some almonds and you uh, leave them to soak for a few hours in, uh, in water. And then afterwards, you mix it uh, for a few minutes and then you sift it. And then you have the you have like a, uh, almond milk or a nut milk, but it's not the same nutritional value as uh, cow milk or, or other uh, animal milk. So um, yeah, you cannot compare the nutritional value, but it can be tasty to make uh, to make oatmeal with with uh, a nut based milk. Um, but it's not, no, it's not the same uh, protein values or protein quality you will find in, uh, in plant-based milk with the exception of soy milk.
0: So, plant, like from plant-based proteins, which source would you say is the best go-to source from all the, because I know there is some pea protein, there is soy protein, then there is... Uh,
1: it's uh, definitely soy. Soy is the best one. Yeah, because soy has all the essential amino acids you find in uh, in animal-based proteins as well. So that uh, if you drink soy milk or soy uh, uh, yogurt, it's uh, it's the same uh, nutritional quality as um, as if it's cow milk-based. If it's nut-based, yeah, no, then it's not the same nutritional quality, but Yeah, it can be very tasty to to mix it up and to to change from time to time. But if you do it um, for a long time, if you say from this day on, I will never uh, drink cow milk anymore and I will choose a plant-based milk, I would suggest choosing uh, soy from time to time uh, is a good idea.
0: All oh, right, interesting. For me, definitely interesting because I always avoided soy. I don't know why. I always thought it was just like a cheap choice for companies to dump it into the normal proteins. Or well, for example, there are some protein companies that's a whey, like seventy percent whey, thirty percent soy, and yeah. I thought they did it to to cut the, to cut the to keep the low price low. So it's for me, it's well, mind opening.
1: But a whey protein, it's not plant based. Huh? So um, if you choose plant based, yeah, then then. Um, then so is a very good option, yeah.
0: All right. Very interesting to know. Thanks. Um, I, there are some things I would like to also discuss about, as I said, myths. First of all, drinking two liters a day, is it a myth or it's a must? Um, two liters of water, of course, not yeah. beer. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, if you are training a lot, it's a must. Um, there are definitely... Uh, some good quality research showing that be, that not drinking enough of water or being uh, dehydrated a bit uh, can um, lower your performance. So, yeah, it's important to drink during training, after training, and have a high amount of uh, water during the day. Yeah, definitely if you are uh, training a lot. Yeah.
0: All right. Another meat Calories in, calories out. This is all that matters when it comes to weight loss.
1: Um, yes. You know what I
0: mean? Like creating deficit, basically. Yeah,
1: you have to create a deficit to lose weight, indeed. Um, of course, we like you to create a deficit on a healthy way. Yeah? Um, but if you eat like uh, two, uh, two Magnum ice creams a day and you are not eating anything else, you will lose weight and because... Yeah, you are eating a low amount of calories, but we would like to do it more on a on a healthy way, um, so you can maintain it as well. So I think for a lot of people, just eating more fruit, more vegetables will uh, will do it for them. Yeah. All right. Very nice. Um,
0: High fat high fat foods are unhealthy. True
1: Uh, of course no not really um, it's difficult if you want to lose weight then it's difficult to do it on a high fat diet and because one gram of fat will give you nine k uh, kcal's a gram um, and carbohydrates and protein only give you four k a gram so if you have a high fat intake it's difficult to create the energy deficit um, but for a lot of people yeah, they don't want to lose weight, they don't need to lose weight. They want to gain muscle mass, for example, or just maintain the same body weight. And then you can have a high fatty food as well, but try to find some healthy fats like uh, we talked about nuts. Uh, nuts is a good example of um, high fat food that it's, um, that's very healthy to have. But if you eat a lot of nuts yeah, and you want to lose a bit of weight, uh, it's more difficult. Yeah.
0: So imagine if you had to, to to choose between two micronutrients, for example, pro, for 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 an athlete, somebody training, would it be better to eat take enough proteins and fats, or proteins and carbs?
1: If you are a performance sporter, I would focus on the carbs and the protein because carbs are important uh, as well to to have a. good performance uh, so if you are really training to to uh, go on the mont ventu for example or to do a triathlon or uh, uh, do a high performance uh, sport then it's important to to have some advice about carbs as well and to see how you can do some carb loading before you start your um, your exercise and how to recover well and then it's important to uh, To talk about carbs and not uh, not to talk about fats, Uh, it's not so important uh, for those people.
0: Because there's a whole diet based on like carb 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 carbless diets. Our mayor uh, Bardewaver start to look very slim due to that. Yeah. So that's I
1: was wondering. But that's um, yeah. That's not to have a. a That's not with. The, uh, the idea of, of being a top athlete or that's just to lose weight eh? and we see a lot of people cutting carbs to lose weight um, but at the end they do the same and eh? they just uh, create a deficit and then they lose weight. The only thing about cutting carbs is that it's difficult to maintain for a long time. Eh? We see a lot of people like eating um, a lunch without carbs, only eating uh, some salad with a bit of protein. But then it's difficult to not uh, feeling hungry a few hours later and not eating uh, a big piece of chocolate cake two hours after. So if you have a balanced lunch, for example, and you find some carbs, some protein um, inside, uh, some fat inside, then you can hopefully maintain your healthy diet throughout the day.
0: Thanks. Now breakfast is it the most important meal of the day
1: um, breakfast is important to start your uh, engine going so during the night um, your metabolism will lower and you we can measure it um, in hospital and we measure it for people who are uh, who are not losing weight when we we let would expect them to lose weight so that we really can measure it so during the night your metabolism will drop and you will burn a lower amount of calories in the morning the lower metabolism will continue if you are not eating breakfast or not exercising you will uh, you can start your your metabolic engine in your body uh, via eating uh, breakfast or exercising so uh, that's why exercising um, in the morning can be a good idea, or uh, having a breakfast can be a good idea to uh, to have a good body weight.
0: So, for fat loss, you would say skip the breakfast, train in the morning, and that would uh, that would improve your ch- like your calories burned.
1: But it's uh, that's difficult. Eh? I would say uh, first. Uh, train without a breakfast and then eat a small breakfast afterwards, um, because skipping an entire meal it's it's uh, not a good idea because it's difficult to uh, to maintain for a long time. So if you train in the morning, first train then have a breakfast. If you don't train in the morning, have a breakfast. So
0: you're not a fan of intermittent fasting.
1: No, because a lot of people are skipping breakfast and eating. 8 hours a day, for example, and they eat from noon until 8 in the evening and they just skip breakfast. And for example, your Big Mac menu, it's not uh, a better choice if you eat it in 3 in the afternoon instead of 11 in the evening. If it's, uh, if it's unhealthy fast food, it will stay unhealthy fast food even if you eat it uh, during the 8 hours you are allowed to eat so it's better to uh to eat a breakfast and to uh to skip some other things than uh, than just skipping breakfast and you will hope to lose weight or to be a healthy version of yourself Yeah. okay
0: okay next question three large meals a day or same amount of food distributed throughout the day for example five meals or six meals
1: mm never leave table uh, without feeling full Um, and that's why it's important to have the carbs as well so um, try to have a meal that um, that is fulfilling and um, when you leave table you are not feeling hungry anymore eh? Uh, that's the worst feeling you can have Uh, you eat you eat lunch or breakfast or dinner Um, you you leave something out, uh, you try to eat a lower amount of carbohydrates, for example, and you have to leave table without feeling fulfilled. So no, try to have a decent meal three times a day um, so you can uh, you feel full the few hours after. And because if you don't feel full after your meal, it's difficult to, uh, to make healthy choices in the hours afterwards.
0: All right. I have a question like i think it's more a psychological thing i have read and it works for me mm-hmm. that if you for example feel you, you have eaten and you still feel like you could eat more then if you wait like around 10 minutes then the feeling goes away because apparently this uh stomach stomach has a slow reaction sending the information to your brain that you have eaten is it true or it's also a myth
1: no that's true that's true yes um, you need a few minutes and ten to fifteen minutes to to receive the signals of, um, of feeling full. Yes, so that's why it can be important to to eat slowly yeah? and to to pause a bit in between. Uh, um, for example, you take uh, now in summer. My lunch for today, for example, it was a gazpacho, and then after. My cup of gazpacho. I waited a bit. I read a bit uh, in the newspaper, and then I ate my lunch and because then it's more easy to to stop on the level when you are full and not overeating. But uh, at the end of the meal, you should feel uh, satisfied.
0: All right. Okay. Very interesting. Do you do you like still read the old school classic newspaper, the paper one?
1: Yes, I read it in hospital. So. <laughs> I
0: understand, don't you lose appetite after you read after you read it?
1: <laughs> I skip the the uh some articles
0: <laughs> <laughs> also there are no comments in below
1: no no wow. oh, no, you don't have to read the highland comments under underneath the articles oh yes
0: <laughs> all right, next question. White potatoes versus sweet potatoes, because everybody promotes sweet potatoes as a super dietary source. I love them personally, I like how it tastes and I just like how it makes me feel. But is it really better to choose uh, sweet potatoes over uh, starchy white ones?
1: Mm, No, Uh, from nutritional value, they are quite the same. Um, So it's important to have uh, vegetables next to it as well. Because I see in a lot of recipes, when they use sweet potato, they sometimes uh, use it as a substitute of vegetables, and then it's not a good substitute. But if you uh, mix it up with, if you change your uh, white potatoes for the sweet ones, that's a, that's a good variation you can use. Uh, but half of your meals should be vegetables. and white potato, sweet potato, uh, is not, uh, substitute for veggies.
0: Okay. Very good. Very good to know. Um, because, um, as I said, there's so much misinformation. So I'm really glad to clear this out with you. Uh, and the question is like the starch in normal potatoes, does it messes with your glycemic index? Does it, uh, with your, um, insulin levels and so on, or it's not as bad as, uh,
1: um, for potatoes, it's not um, it's not so bad. Uh, it's the amount you eat from it. Uh, we see, like, if you compare a meal uh, with uh, potatoes with a, a meal with pasta, for example, we see a lot of pe- of people eating uh, a higher amount of carbs when you eat pasta. So um that's more difficult to do and then we see a higher level of uh, of glucose in the blood and higher level of insulin you need to lower the the glucose but if you um no it's it's okay to do it try to uh, not eat more than uh, a quarter of your meal uh, for your carbs for potatoes for pasta for rice and i know for pasta it's difficult to do you can make a pasta sauce with a lot of veggies with uh, with low fat meat or with some fish but when you start your meal with an entire plate of pasta for example yeah it's difficult to have it uh, have a good balanced meal
0: okay okay is guacamole the holy grail of uh, healthy nutrition
1: for the environment, it's not so good. Uh, I don't know if you uh, read some things about it, but uh, no. for the for our environment, uh, avocado uh, is not so so good because the way they uh, they yeah, they ship it and they plant it uh, for nutritional view. Um, if you eat it as a vegetable, yeah, it's high. It's high in calories. If you want to lose weight, don't eat more than um, than one avocado a week. Try to not eat more than a quarter of an avocado in one meal. If you are not uh, focused on weight loss, then it's then it's uh, healthy to use, and then you can can uh, double the amount. It's okay to eat two avocados a week uh, and half an avocado in a meal, but. Um, for weight loss it's um it's not easy to do huh?
0: yeah but also because you know all the hipster places all the school trendy shops everybody uses it avocado is like that's why i say holy grail it's being added on the sandwiches and the salads everywhere so
1: um yeah right? i think it's a good substitute if you uh for mayonnaise so if you make a sandwich and you um, you Skip the mayonnaise on your sandwich and add some avocado. You have the fattiness, uh, the the nice taste. Um, so then it's good. But if you really eat it as a vegetable and you eat two hundred grams of avocado, then you need to join uh, CrossFit lessons a lot to uh, <laughs> to maintain your weight. <laughs> Burn it all. Cool, man. Um, uh,
0: would you like? I would like to ask you a little bit about your book. Also, I haven't read it. I would like to purchase it. Out curiosity uh, and just because uh, also like to support my peoples, uh, but could, could could you tell me a little bit about it? Is it more is it more like uh, are you are you helping people get on the right track of nutrition and eating or is it more like recipes? What is it about?
1: Mm-hmm. The book, uh, it's called Lekker Lang Leven. Um, It's um, two big chapters. The first chapter, it's more um, the theory about what to believe, what not to believe. Uh, If you want to um, lower weight or if you want to just have a healthy lifestyle, what should you focus on and what should you not believe? And because there are a lot of things written and shouted uh, about nutrition and the second part of the book you find recipes and in the recipes you see um for example how to add uh, veggies in a breakfast uh, how to uh yeah make a healthy lunch uh, on an easy way and on a tasty way because yeah that's what i like uh about my book it's uh yeah my combination of being a chef and and like to and i like to cook and uh, and i like tasty foods combined with the part how to do it healthy and how to um, find a way that you can maintain it uh, for the rest of your life eh? because yeah we need to eat every day of our life
0: absolutely absolutely i'm also opening like i found it on bold.com like it on long live, and I see all like like amazing reviews. So sure. people people who've bought it, they're really happy with it. So that's also another motivation for me to check it out. Oh, did, yeah. it did it take you long? Did you take it long? Did did it take you long to write?
1: Um, for about a year, I um, yeah. For the recipes, I think it's very important when you use a recipe. That it's uh, correct and if you follow every step that it's and that the result is as the result in the picture so I uh, put it a lot of effort in writing the recipes and trying it and uh, and adding something or changing it a bit so you have an easy way to the same result as in the picture Um, and yeah the, the theory part the first part yeah, it's a lot about yeah, what to believe, not to believe, the things uh, you read and hear about, hear about in media. So, uh, yeah, for about a year, I uh, worked on it.
0: And what was the most difficult part?
1: Um, for
0: you personally?
1: For me personally, um, I found it difficult to see people uh, to have an idea about cooking skills in Belgium, uh, <laughs> I uh, tested it on a lot of my friends. Uh, if they, if it was uh, too easy, too difficult to make a recipe, because yeah, everyone has a different level of uh, cooking experience, and I wanted to make uh, uh, recipes that were able to. Uh, to do on an easy way so you can find all the ingredients in in a local supermarket for example i bought a lot i think 95 percent of the ingredients at Albertan because i live near to one but uh, you can find them everywhere uh, it's easy to do and that was for me difficult to yeah to estimate the the level of cooking experience. But yeah, I see I also see in the reviews a lot of people sending me pictures of their like leve creation. So it's uh yeah, it's fun to see all the reactions.
0: Very nice. Very nice. And did you have like a writer's block when you were doing it? We just went really smoothly the whole writing process?
1: Um it was really fun to do. No, yeah, it was it was fun to think about it and to experiment and to um yeah to let it uh, uh, to give it to people to try and to see all the reactions and uh, know it was uh, yeah, quite smooth process very nice do you have another book in the planning um, we are talking about it so yeah maybe next year I can uh, publish Lekker Langley but um, I'm not sure uh, it's not uh, the process is, is going on
0: all right All right. And what are the other big plans? Uh, If it's not a secret, I know if something is secret, you don't have to share it now. But if if there is something, what's your next steps? I mean, you have grown tremendously in the past two years. I know you, for yeah, for two years now. um, And you started already at a high position when you were with us. You were the head dietitian, head nutritionist at the the hospital. But now you got a book. I see you a lot on TV, on on talk shows and everything. So where, where do you see yourself, for example, in five years?
1: Home, I think there is um, a lot of interest in nutrition in general now in the general public everyone is uh, convinced that it's uh, that nutrition is important to have a healthy life so I would like to to inform more people inspire more people uh, via different ways uh, in hospital it's very focused on uh, on disease control and and uh, for ill people but I also like the part next to my work in hospital like inspiring people to prevent diseases and to uh, to maintain a healthy lifestyle uh, and I will see how it goes eh? so maybe someday uh, you will see uh, Michael sells on a cooking show uh, you never know <laughs> maybe your own cooking show <laughs> yeah that would you be can good. make
0: one You can make one on youtube right now you know the, it's, it's not this difficult anymore i mean people yeah. don't even watch tv mostly so uh
1: maybe i should try uh i should try that uh in a few weeks yeah all right
0: <laughs> excellent if you need help I'll, I'll be glad i'll gladly help you with what i know ah, thanks all right michael we're gonna round up it's almost an hour it time flew by really fast thank yeah. you very much do before we stop do you have any questions for me
1: um no not for the moment thanks for the talk it was uh, fun hearing you
0: likewise thank you very much for what you shared i wish you a lot of success a lot of success with your future endeavors i know that uh, you work very hard and you deserve everything you have um guys if if you haven't checked it out check it out leker lang lever great book i'm ordering one right after we hang up here and uh michael success with everything
1: Thank you. Bye. Take care.
0: Thank you guys for listening. Hope you enjoyed this episode. As usual, if you have any questions, you can always contact us through this application which you're using because there's always a messaging options through the Anchor, for example. Or otherwise, you can always send us an email to info at rccf.be and uh subscribe to not miss the future episodes guys looking forward to hearing you hearing me see you soon